my name is Emily Eakins. I'm the Director of Polling and a Research Fellow here at the Cato Institute. Policy scholars, activists, and lawmakers who are interested in reforming policing practices um, should be aware of the audience, their audience, the American people, to understand what people think and why they think what they do. For that reason, here at the Cato Institute, we have conducted a national public opinion study of Americans 18 and over um, using YouGov. We interviewed 2,000 people, including oversamples of African Americans and Hispanic Americans, but results are weighted to be representative of the national sample in the results that you will see today. Um, we have, um, in this survey, we asked people about their attitudes toward the police and the criminal justice system overall. We have not publicly released these results, so you're the first to see them, and uh, we'll, be we'll be presenting some of those here today. To start off with, I thought it would be useful to talk about context. Most people in this room are probably well aware that crime rates in the United States have been on the decline, peaking in the 90s and have been declining since then. We might be curious to know, do Americans know this? Probably most people here think the answer is no. You're wrong. Actually, people do know this. Because the percentage of Americans over time that, the, um, that say that they are very concerned about being a victim of a crime has actually been on the decline, peaking in the 90s with crime rates and declining, um, having from about 51% in the 90s to 24% when we conducted this poll last week. So there does seem to be um, reg a registration on people's minds that crime rates have been declining. So we might think that Americans would be more willing to consider reforms when crime is less salient to them. While crime concerns are less salient, um, reformers, we also want to understand how people think about the police, their safety, well-being, as well as the crime rate. In this poll, we found that 65% of Americans think that there is a, quote, war on police in America today. We also found that 63% of Americans think that in recent years, too many people have been uh, shown too little respect for police officers. And fully, or almost three-fourths of Americans say that police officers have very dangerous jobs. Also in the survey, we found some troubling significant differences across racial and ethnic groups in their perceived favorability of the police. And this is what we're going to be diving into today. You see here that while 73% of white Americans say they have a favorable view of the police, only 43% of African Americans agree and 57% of Hispanic Americans. What about willingness to report a crime? While 83% of white Americans said they definitely would report a violent crime if they witness one, only 59% of African Americans and 69% of Hispanics also would definitely say they definitely would report a crime if they witnessed one. So why is this a problem? Theories of effective policing tell us um, that effective policing depend on the symbiotic relationship between police and their communities, having mutual trust and respect between each other. But this kind of respect has to be earned. Um, just like a business has to earn its goodwill and reputation in the marketplace of its peers, police departments are faced with doing the same. 
So in this study, we sought out to investigate what might explain some of these differences. And there's always the problem of correlation versus causation. Um, we, with these studies, it's hard to tell what attitudes are just correlated with one another and what's actually causing the other one. But um, in this study, we still decided to investigate several different factors that may correspond or may help explain these differences in attitudes towards the police. Oops. Okay. To do that, we looked at several different factors, including differences in concern about crime in your local community, perceived effectiveness or competency of your local police department, um, trust in your police department, perceived bias, your interactions and personal experiences with, with your local police department, and the perceived level of harshness or how um, the tactics that uh, police officers used. We'll start with uh, concerns about crime. We find that African Americans and Hispanics are about twice as likely as Caucasians um, to report being very or extremely worried about becoming a victim of a crime. We found that a third of African Americans say they personally know someone who has been murdered. And this is twice the rate of uh, white Americans. So these differences in attitudes toward the police are not likely being driven by lack of concern about crime rates in communities. And we found that across all racial and ethnic groups, the same share said that they actually wanted more police officers in their community. So this isn't about not wanting the police or a police presence. It's about the conduct and the accountability of the police departments in local areas. Competency. We asked respondents about a, uh, several different types of things that you would expect a police department to be able to do or aim to do, including protecting you from crime, enforcing the law, and responding quickly to a call for help. Now, we do see statistically significant differences between, um, dif uh, between white Americans, African Americans, and Hispanic Americans. And on average, the difference is about 20 percentage points. However, as we move forward to looking at perceived trust, or excuse me, as we look at trust, this gap actually widens between these groups. When asked if police officers are held accountable, fully 68% of African Americans say they believe officers are generally not held accountable, um, as well as 52% of Hispanics, compared to only 39% of white Americans. In fact, a majority of white Americans believe that officers are held accountable for any misconduct that does occur. Similarly, we see um, similar breakdowns on the percentage who say that they believe that the police think that they are above the law. Fully 7 in 10 African Americans think the police think they're above the law compared to only about a third of white Americans. And then when it comes to building trust in the community, we find that 62% um, of white Americans give high ratings to their local police department in gaining and building trust in their communities compared to 30% of African Americans and 40% of Hispanics. On average, the gap between these groups is about 30%. The gap widens a little bit on perceptions of bias. Looking at the systemic level about the criminal justice system overall, we, find, we found that 81% of African Americans believe that the criminal justice system overall treats white Americans more fairly than black and Hispanic Americans. 56% of Hispanics agree 
while, um, while only 37% of white Americans agree. Instead, a majority think that the, the system treats all racial groups fairly. Even at the local level, so this is going from the systemic view to the local level, we see a similar pattern in which white Americans give high ratings to their local community for treating all racial groups equally, compared to only 23% of African Americans and 45% of Hispanics. Overall, we found that African Americans are six, six times as likely as white Americans to say they, they would expect to be um, treated, quote, a little worse than their peers in their community, 31% versus five. So putting this all together, competency, trust, and perception of bias, we see there are um, differences, and I've measured these. These are statistically significant across these between white and non-white groups. But the differences widen considerably as you move from competency to trust to perception of bias. Moving forward to interactions and experiences with the police. Some may say that differences in location might help explain differences in attitudes toward the police. We find that African Americans and Hispanics are about twice as likely as white Americans to report living in a city, 51% um, versus 22%. Um, the argument goes that you have more people living in um, a, a denser location, more police officers, more interactions. However, the data suggests that this might not be explaining what we're seeing, uh, because there were not significant differences across a number of factors between city, suburban, and rural dwellers, except for on three things. We found differences on perception of bias, use of excessive force, and lower levels of trust. Oops, excuse me. Personal satisfaction. We asked respondents to rate their, their satisfaction with their interactions with um, police officers in the past two years, similar to what you might do in a Yelp review using like a number of stars, scale of one to five. We found that among white Americans, on average, they gave about a little over four stars to, the local, to, to their interactions with police officers in their local areas. In contrast, among African Americans, it was a little over three stars, and Latinos, it was about three and a half stars. If private companies ran their businesses where there were such steep differences in customer satisfaction, those companies would not be in business long, and they would take action to address those differences. Here we found significant differences in experiences among different groups. We found that African Americans are about twice as likely as white Americans to report that police officers used profanity in their interactions with them. That means swearing, 28% um, versus 14%. Um, you kind of step back for a second. If you think if 30% of the time you walked into an Apple store or a Target and someone swore at you, um, that would get quite a lot of attention on social media, I, I would think. Um, Physical, physical abuse, African Americans are more than twice as likely as white Americans to report knowing someone personally who has been physically mistreated or abused by the police. And on average, we found that African Americans were about 20% more likely to say that they personally know someone who has been stopped and searched by a police officer. So on average, there's a higher number of interactions and a higher number of negative interactions that may help explain differences in favorability towards the police. 
Next, we, find, we go to perceived harshness. And this is where we find the biggest gaps between um, racial and ethnic groups. When asked about police tactics, we found that 70% of African Americans thought that police tactics that were generally used were too harsh, compared to 35% of Hispanics and 24% of Caucasians. When it comes to use of deadly force, we found a similar pattern um, in which African Americans and Hispanics think that the police are too quick to use deadly force, whereas a third, or excuse me, whereas a majority of white Americans thought the deadly force is only used when necessary. So to highlight, to kind of summarize these different factors that we investigated, the biggest differences were with perceived bias interactions oops, and perceived harshness, with the biggest gap being differences in perceived harshness and experiences with the police. So while there are significant differences in perceptions, when it comes to actual concrete policy proposals, we actually found a, a large degree of, of agreement among racial and ethnic groups. So that is um, a promising result. And I'll go through some of those here today. Policies that they support. We found that nearly two-thirds support more training for police officers on how to handle confrontations with private citizens. We found majorities of all racial groups supported additional training. Um, this is probably not a surprise. You've probably seen in other polls that body cameras are overwhelmingly popular among the general public. But we delved a little, deep, a little deeper and found that a majority, 55%, say they would be willing to pay higher taxes to equip their local police department with body cameras. And this is important because a lot of polls ask people if they want government to increase spending on something without asking them if they're willing to pay for it. This does ask them for that trade-off, and they still, support, um, they still support body cameras if they have to pay for it, which shows that that support is, um, is solid. We also found that 58% say they support police departments using drones. However, about a similar share, 54%, were worried that police could use it to invade their privacy. So that's something to consider. And then in terms of investigating police misconduct, as we saw, there were big differences between racial and ethnic groups on whether or not police officers are held accountable for misconduct when it occurs. And we found that 8 in 10 um, across racial and ethnic groups support having an outside law enforcement agency investigate um, police mis uh, sus uh, police officers suspected of criminal wrongdoing rather than allowing the local police department to handle it on their own. So those are the policies that we found people do like. The things that they were less excited, what they didn't like, civil asset forfeiture. 86% of Americans said that they, um, that police should only be able to take a person's money or property that is suspected to have been involved in a drug crime if the person has been convicted not before. Racial profiling, nearly two-thirds of Americans oppose the use of racial profiling, but the same percentage thought that it was commonly used throughout the country. So this is something that um, I think instigates another conversation for um, another conference. And we also found that a majority of Americans oppose the police using military-grade weapons and armored vehicles for their police work. They say they um, thought it was going too far rather than being necessary. So 
That is a quick overview of some of our results. The full report should be coming out in a few weeks at um, our website at cato.org, and I hope you'll be able to check it out. And I would love to hear your feedback and any questions you have after the conference. Um, but before we conclude, I'd like to turn the time over now to Adam Bates, a policy analyst here at the Cato Institute, to give today's concluding remarks. Thank you. All right, well, first, I'd like to, well, first, thank you guys for sticking it out all day. Uh, I'll try to be brief so we can get out of here. And I have it on very good authority that there's a reception in the Winter Garden uh, as soon as we conclude here. Uh, I'd again like to thank the, the conference and marketing departments for putting up with uh, myself and my colleagues in the Criminal Justice Project, uh, putting a great conference together. Uh, I'd also once again like to thank our distinguished panelists for bringing a variety of, of perspectives and expertise uh, to the conference today. I would especially like to thank uh, those of you in law enforcement, uh, both uh, Major Guerin, who participated in our panels today, and uh, members of law enforcement I saw uh, in the building and certainly watching online. Uh, I say that because, as Major Guerin alluded to, uh, there is a perception out there, especially among law enforcement, that, that people interested and, and active about criminal justice reform in this country, uh, whether they're conservative or liberal or libertarian, are, are somehow anti-cop. Uh, given that perception, then, it, it's an honor to have, to have law enforcement here participating and here in the audience. Uh, in their mind, they were kind of walking into a lion's den, uh, which we so often ask them to do. Uh, it's important because for better or worse, uh, I would say worse, the nature of the American criminal justice system uh, limits the amount of, of accountability and, ref and reform that can be injected into law enforcement and criminal justice from the outside, uh, from outside the government, I mean. Uh, police, prosecutors, and judges uh, wield a lot of political power and a lot of power generally. Uh, police enjoy what's known as qualified immunity uh, from suits for behavior that they engage in uh, while performing their duties. Prosecutors and judges enjoy what is called absolute immunity. They cannot be sued uh, by the people they wrong uh, in, in furtherance of their duty. Uh, in terms of prosecutions, prosecutions of police officers are rare and even more rarely successful. Uh, prosecutions of prosecutors and judges are virtually non-existent. Uh, so, for better or worse, regardless of what we say here today as people outside the system, uh, the, a lot of the burden for reform is going to fall on police chiefs and rank-and-file police officers uh, to push for reform and to push for a more constitutional uh, criminal justice system that, that goes further to upholding uh, the virtues that they swore an oath to. Uh, that's not to say, of course, that the burden falls entirely on law enforcement. Uh, as many police would point out, the cops don't write the laws. Uh, legislators have a massive obligation to correct systemic problems in our laws. Uh, whether we're talking about repealing failed drug prohibitions, uh, of course, you guys weren't going to come to a libertarian conference and not hear about ending the drug war. That has uh, utterly failed. Uh, that it provides virtually no return on the massive investment of manpower of blood and treasure invested in this unwinnable war. Uh, whether we're talking about abolishing civil asset forfeiture that incentivizes and rewards uh, predatory uh, policing for profit. 
or uh, whether we're just talking about ending what seems to be an American fetish for putting people in cages when they do things we don't like. Uh, a, a fetish that has created what is by far the largest prison population on the face of the earth. Uh, our elected representatives, given those facts, have a lot of reforming to do. Uh, we heard today from many of the panelists about uh, new technologies, whether they be body cameras, whether we're talking about Stingray uh, surveillance devices, and the complete lack of legislative statutory uh, policies governing these devices, governing how they're used, uh, governing how people are held accountable for misusing them. Uh, the legislatures are, at the state and federal level are not doing their job. Uh, but they are, in the end, our elected representatives. Uh, they're elected by us. Uh, earlier, an audience member uh, asked what we have to do to get people to care about issues and abuses that don't directly affect them. Uh, many of the people in this room will never have these negative uh, interactions with law enforcement that we heard some of the panelists speak about. Uh, how do we get non-Muslims to care about how the government treats the Muslim community? How do we get white suburban America to care what the government is doing in the inner city or along the border to people who don't look uh, like we might or don't speak the same language or don't call God by the same name. That, I think, uh, really gets at the heart of what this conference is about and what the issue is about. Uh, we have ideas. Uh, we have data. Emily just provided a glimpse of some great data that we're compiling here at Cato. But where do we get the political momentum uh, to put these reforms and, these and this data and these ideas into action. Uh, as Emily's data shows, uh, the American people aren't entirely sold uh, that all of the problems we've identified here today are actually problems. Uh, while a majority are opposed to racial profiling, a substantial minority of Americans are just fine uh, with police using a person's uh, race uh, to uh, serve as probable cause or at least suspicion that somebody is involved in criminal behavior. Uh, they're not sold that it's time to end drug prohibition. Uh, they do seem sold on civil asset forfeiture, which is fantastic, but uh, that has very few defenders these days. Uh, the point is we have a lot of work left to do. We citizens, not police, not legislators, we citizens have a lot of work to do with our friends, with our families. Uh, with our communities to, to convince them to properly incentivize their government representatives and their local law enforcement that these are problems that need to be addressed. Uh, we have a lot of work to do uh, to make the case for a criminal justice system that protects rather than infringes on our constitutional rights, that allows people, regardless of color or creed, to view police officers as guardians rather than occupying soldiers or financial predators, that allows police officers to do the types of noble things they signed up for and swore an oath to do. I said earlier that I hope this would be an annual event. Uh, the problems in American policing are big problems, not because the actors in these issues are particularly bad, but because the stakes are so high and the interests are so great. Rarely is the interaction between the government and an individual uh, so tense and so potentially deadly as when a police officer initiates an interaction with an individual. Uh, the data on, for instance, police killings has been very sparse uh, in this country, but thanks to the work of organizations like The Guardian, uh, last month we surpassed 1,000 Americans killed by police uh, in 2015. That, so we're on pace for more than 1,000 people a year in this country killed in interactions with law enforcement. And it's, it's shameful that we have so little data and so much is still unknown about the, the processes that lead uh, to these deadly interactions. Uh, 
So because these interests are so great, because this is the most tense interaction between the government and its citizens, everyone should take an interest in this. Regardless of your political philosophy, uh, these are issues of life and death. These are issues that strike at the very heart of our constitutional republic, of our community, and everyone has an interest in it. Uh, we're not there yet. Uh, these problems did not pop up overnight. It took decades, generations, uh, for us to get where we are today. And it may take years, decades, generations to fix these problems. Uh, but having distinguished guests from academia, from law enforcement, from policy, from uh, various minority communities that have been targeted over the years by the government, uh, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, we can fix it. We, we have to fix it. This is our problem. So with that, I'll see you next year. Thank you.